plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We are proud members of the Cantrip Cartel podcasting network, I guess. <laughs> and we're here to talk magic. How are you doing today, Matt? Oh, good enough. Had a really boring day at work. Like, everything was going smoothly. And I took my lunch at 1.30. And didn't do a single thing for the rest of the day until <laughs> four. Like I, got, I took actually, it from one thirty to two, and then sat in the office from two to four. I actually got off early today. I was talking to the supervisor, and he said that we're a bit of a down period right now, which comes with these trade jobs. And so he's like, kind of, you know, soak it in while you can. You're going to get some more time with your families, which means more paychecks, but some nice relaxation time is nice. Yep. So, uh, chipping away at that belt. I'm almost there. I'm at like a hundred and eight million. I need to get to a hundred and twenty. I've got. Probably six or seven, let me do some quick napkin math, probably six or seven million in items that I'm waiting to sell. Uh, so I've been chipping away at that. I'm just, I basically won't come down on the price on them in, yeah. until I've gathered enough items that if I sold them for slightly cheaper, it'd get me the belt. Yeah. So like, I'm just holding on to them. If they like, if they sell for the price I want for them, great. And if not, they'll sit here until, like, next week or whatever. Uh-huh. Doesn't, you know, I'm not interested in just moving them as quick as I can. Yeah. Uh, so, basically, what it is is there's these items that are used to make ultimate weapons. And I can farm, like, 12 of them per month doing this event. And everyone else can, too. So, and the event just went live last week. So, oh, what happens okay. is everyone goes oh shit i can go get these and they go get them and then they flood the market with these items and the price crashes for like the first 10 days of okay the event and i just hold on to mine because i'm like well the price just dropped by like 15 percent. yeah it'll and recover it, it will go back up like I, you can just watch the trends of it just like ebb and flow of the price and i'm just like yeah i'll just sit here and wait i'm not in any hurry um so i've been working on that i still need to I've been going playing through the storyline with my second character. Uh so I'm working I beat the Seekers of Adulin expansion like last weekend or the weekend before that. And then started working on Chains of Promethea. So I'm kind of do I try to do like one or two missions a day, like just chip away at it. Uh-huh. Cause like there's 20 years worth of content and it wasn't designed to be beaten quickly in the first place. Yep. And there's a lot of cutscenes that you can't skip. Um so, like, if you try to sit down and do, like, an expansion in the weekend, you can. Yeah. You'll fucking a, hate it. It's a rough weekend. <laughs> it is. So, like, I just try to just make some slow and steady progress because, like, a lot of the content at Endgame, you have to have beaten these expansions. Like, you don't get, like, the the expansions themselves don't really have a ton of relevant, like, gear or anything because, like, like, the one I'm working on now, Chains of Promethea, I mean, that was live when I started playing in, like, 2004. Uh-huh. So like there's very little actual gear from it that I need. There's like one piece of uh there's one earring that's semi-relevant when you first hit 99, but in order to like reforge your artifact gear, you have to have completed that. So like I need to get it done in order to continue to grow that character. Just one more thing on the list to chug through, huh? Yep. And the funny thing is like I when I beat Chains of Promethea, that expansion is a pain in the ass cuz like one of the things that I like about the game is the world of Final Fantasy XI. Not only is it actually huge, it is also like traversing it was a skill back in the day. Like yeah. the, the the zones weren't like how they are in World of Warcraft, where it's just like 
a big open zone and you can go everywhere that you're supposed to be able to go to and very easily you just walk there and there's enemies in the way, right? Yeah. The many of the zones in Final Fantasy XI are basically mazes. Is um, it randomly generated like Diablo? No, they're not oh, randomly okay. generated, but like you have to actually learn like how to traverse. Uh, the perfect one is like Yotar Jungle. There's uh, in the Rise of Zillart expansion, there, there were these two zones, Yotunga and Yotar Jungle. And there was, you'd have a map <clears throat> and the map would show paths, but you would end up going underground in tunnels and you'd have to learn like which underground tunnel actually led to the right way because it wouldn't show you on the map. Yeah. So, because the maps are kind of very like they're styled after like a anti like an old like antiquity map. Oh, okay. So, like they're not completely accurate. There's stuff that's off the map. There's you know like there's parts missing stuff like that. So the map isn't there to be like a perfect one to one mini map kind of thing. That's it's, cool though. It but like it was an actual skill. You had to learn those zones. Yeah. If you wanted to traverse the world quickly, you had to actually learn where you were going. And they've reduced that a lot by adding like home points that you can teleport in between yeah. uh, survival guides, which you can teleport in between. Like there's a bunch of different ways to cut down the travel, but you still have to like kind of know where you're going. Well, Chains of Promethea hits that really fucking hard. Gotcha. And like there's like like getting through the last bit. It, there's like these doors that you have to do. It's, it's really to me, complicated. To me, that is such a staple of old gaming was like. We can't make it. We're not. We're not going to make it longer. We're just going to make it harder or like more annoying. Well, it's like we're gonna, we're going to put fake time in because it's going to be a lot of effort just to just to move around. The big thing is to me in an M, like in a lot of games, you're right. In an MMO, it almost has to be that way because the whole point of an MMO is it's supposed to suck you into this being as close to a real world experience as possible. I mean. Yeah, like, like the argument that you like and it's getting a, lost in the jungle is what I want to do in my gaming is to each their own. And it's obviously an incredibly popular game that tons of people love. But like, ugh, that well, like, it's the if, same it, thing it, as traversing a dungeon. Like, like if you play any dungeon crawler, there's going to be dead ends and all kinds of stuff. You have to actually learn the map. It's the same yeah. thing in D&D. &D. So like, but in these in these areas, are you like hunting down loot or you is you it can just do all kinds it, of stuff? But is it just to move through it? Because like in cause like in Diablo is a great example. The reason you're going through the dungeon is because you're just hunting down loot. Like you don't even necessarily rush through the dungeon a lot of times. Well, you're trying to get the loot. In those particular zones, you would a you could go there to. There was multiple quests. Like with the expansion came quests. So you're like trying to find specific spots in the jungle. Uh -huh. uh, people leveled up there a lot, so you were trying to <clears throat> navigate it quickly to find the best XP camps. Because it's kind of the way you leveled up back in the day. Is mm -hmm. you get five or six people together and you. You'd have a camp and you'd kill, you'd grind enemies, which to be fair is still how you level up, but you do it with NPCs now as opposed mm -hmm. to five other, six other real people. But like quests and missions and all kinds of stuff. Like it's not like it was just like an obstacle in your path. It was this is the zone you're doing your quests in. Yeah. You need to be able to traverse their way through. But they also made it very difficult to move through. Like it. Yeah. I, I mean, there's no denying that they did. Mm -hmm. I just, to me, that is a staple of it's a staple of the genre like the ability to get lost in my opinion is a feature not a bug mm. i've been lost many times yeah and it's just one of those things that it kind of like one of the best things about final fantasy 11 was it was hard enough that it by the time you got to the max level almost no one sucked yeah because in order to hit max level in final fantasy 11 when the level cap was still 75 
you had to actually play your class well, mm-hmm. play it for a couple hundred hours minimum. That's a lot. Like do all kinds of quests, do all kinds of shit. Like you had to actually put in the work. And then when you got to end game, for the most part, you could rely on your people you were with because they all went through the crucible, basically. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to WoW, where like it's so fucking brain dead to get to max level. Like every time you group with people, even if they're, you know, in your guild or whatever, half of them are just fucking idiots that can't play. I mean, they like WoW has gotten so stupid to the point where like they have to tell you like what attributes you should have as a like it'll be like when you go to pick your class it'll be like you're gonna play a rogue you should focus on agility like the game has to tell you that as opposed will, to you figuring it out i will say as someone who played bloodborne 90 percent of the way and then had to completely restart the game because it didn't tell me what was a good place to put attributes i did waste and bloodborne's not as much as wow or whatever but i did waste like 35 hours of my life well, the the thing is because I and that's and if WoW has respecking, which it probably does, then it that, does. That, then that reduces really that because you just respect. But like Bloodborne didn't have respecking, and I got to the end of the game, and obviously there and people beat it on level one, so I could have beat it. But like I was so terribly outclassed, and I started looking at like guides, and it's like, oh wow, this character is fucked beyond salvation. I guess I just restart now. It's not so much that WoW tells you the problem i have isn't so much that they tell you what the stats do they tell you what you should be doing like because they know that the average wow player doesn't go hey agility increases my this this and this and Mm -hmm. i am this class so i should increase this this and this but does it tell you what it increases yeah it'll tell you agility increases for example your attack power or in your crit is it like Dark Souls where like the weapon you use might scale differently based on certain stats? Uh, the last time I rem- if I remember correctly in WoW, um, you had kind of like as a warrior, strength was your thing that yeah, and the same thing like basically like, they hard linked a stat so like what, a rogue just does not give a shit about strength. But what is what what's getting a benefit from his dexterity or his agility? I forget to be it, oh, but okay. it's something like I think from what I remember. The big thing was for melee classes, like your attack power would go up with strength for a warrior or like agility with a rogue. And was that that that's linked to the class? That's you linked chose? to the class. Okay. And it's just like they like they took away your ability to spec and you they went from like having three talent trees to having like six choices you make. Mm-hmm. Like they just comp- and they've kind of backtracked on that. I, I haven't played the newest chat, the newest thing or new expansion of WoW, but like it's just so brain dead. Gotcha. Now at the tippy top of WoW, and this is what WoW players will always defend WoW with, is they go, well, rating is in high level rating in WoW is incredibly difficult. And I go, yeah, I don't I don't disagree mm-hmm. with that at all. But WoW is dumbed down to the point that like any idiot can play through it. And yeah, well, like, that's that's how a lot of games are. That's how like Call of Duty is. That's one. Well, that's why I like Dark Souls. Dark Souls doesn't do that. Yeah. Like, cause Call of Duty is very the stuff in Dark. The stuff in Call of Duty. <clears throat> there's a lot of stuff that just caters to people that are bad at video games and want to have well, fun at Call of Duty. And I mean, Elden Ring is a good example of like Elden Ring doesn't tell you where to go. No. Like you just have a big unexplored map. It sort of does. It kind of does. Because when you when you rest at the home missions, it will um or the home points the yeah, uh, the, the shards. It will, uh, well, Dark Souls Dark Souls is very linear. It's pretty easy to tell with Dark Souls. And then Elden Ring is very open. But it, when you rest at um, most of the shards, an arrow will pop up and tell you where the story is. And so if you look at the map, 
and you can look at it like a little faint glimmer will run towards the story. Mm-hmm. And so if you look at the map, like when you have all of them turned on, there's a bunch of fucking yellow arrows or drifts moving through that kind of guide you to where you need to go. It does kind of tell you where to go if you want to hit just the story. Yeah. And then obviously the exploration from there, you do whatever the fuck you want. Final Fantasy XI, like, so I was playing through the most, the two most recent expansions, which are still a couple years old, other uh-huh. than the thing they're currently doing now. And it'll go, hey, talk to this person in this zone. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. But that's it. So, like, or in one... Does it like ping them? No. Oh, oh God, no. <laughs> See, that's... I, I mean, that's fine. So this is, just a, this is just a disagreement on the way games are designed. I think that's bad game design. And that's just a disagreement on the, on the way we enjoy video games. But when a game is like... Here's an here's an obscure clue, a name and a location. Go fucking figure it out. Tons of people love that, but that's just like I don't. Well, I mean, I guess it's, it's that's part of the way you play the game. I don't play Elden Ring to wander around and try and find people. I play Elden Ring because I enjoy the combat, or I enjoy the leveling system, or I enjoy the whatever. Um, obviously, part of the reason you play Final Fantasy XI is you you enjoy the exploration and the going and finding people. Well, and to me, that's this the fundamental thing of an MMO. Like that's why I don't. I hardly ever even like comparing them to any other game because they're trying to do something different. Yeah. Like Elden Ring wouldn't work in its current iteration to keep you engaged for thousands of hours for, except for very few people. Like there's going to be people who crack out on individual games or whatever. I have like pushing 300 days of gameplay Mm -hmm. time on final fantasy 11. Yeah. But if like if Elden Ring, if it to beat Elden Ring, um, because you can probably do you think you could do you think you could reasonably beat 11 without a guide no okay so to reasonably beat elden ring and if i because there are things i did use a guide for there are some more complicated storylines to finish that a guide does help a lot but if i was required reasonably to use a story a a guide to complete elden ring i absolutely would never play it i never would have beaten it you the funny thing is playing 11 if you want to like just playing through the storyline i sit there and i go how the hell did the first people ever yeah. figure this the fuck out oh i know i agree <laughs> with you that's how um the, the one in elden ring isn't as convoluted the one in dark souls 3 the uh <clears throat> the usurper of fire ending is relatively convoluted and that was my thought as i was going through this like 13 step process that you have to do in the right order before mm-hmm. key moments in the game and i was like how and if f- you fuck up a single thing yes. you miss it all yeah. and you just restart the playthrough yep. and i was like how did someone fucking find this out how did people find this yeah so. that's the entirety of that so yeah the vast majority of it i use a guide for um but like i'd sit there and i just go like who found all this yeah. shit out especially like the older the further does, you go back do they at least have like good level design like does, i personally does, love the fucking level but does like the, the does the level guide you does it pull you where you need to be or is it literally just like hug the left wall until you get out these mazes right they, like, like these um, mazes they're they are mazes but they almost all there's multiple different ways to go so like a zone yeah. isn't just like one quest or one mission like the zones have like a ton of stuff to do in them yeah so like there's some things that like you need to go like a very specific way forward uh-huh. there's like hidden doors or stuff like that so like it kind of just depends on what you're doing obviously if there's a if you're going from point a the entrance of the zone to whatever point b is there's one there's there's frequently like an easy path to get there for most stuff okay when you're doing the actual missions a lot of times they'll be like you'll go through several zones and then when you get to the zone like that's really important in it that's when it's like well you need to go this specific this specific route and it has like you know one of them was (laughs) 
it was like you had to like go through several of the right doors and then drop down. <laughs> like I was working through this uh, cave system, like Ordell's cave or whatever. And like, it was like, follow it to this specific path, drop down this hole. Now you're on the next floor of this caves, like on the, uh, yeah. you go down a floor then you're working your way over to this area, go up some stairs, now drop down this hole. So <laughs> all is it, is it like there, there, there were similar puzzles in Pokemon, oddly enough, have you played Pokemon? Oh yeah. So there are similar well, cave puzzles ones. where the old ones where you the game would tell you, you know, there's a locked off area that you probably need to get to and you could figure out is it like that? Can you like intuit that if I can drop down a hole I can reach this unexplored zone in this and I have to find the right hole cuz Pokemon obviously force fed you quite a bit more cuz it's a little easier. But there were levels in caves where like the way you progressed correctly or got to like a legendary Pokemon was by like getting through a little bit of a maze and falling through a correct hole yeah. that you could see because you walked past the area. In general, yes. Okay. That's a big help. That's that 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 in my opinion is good level design. Yeah. <clears throat> but a a lot of modern game I mean, there's a reason not a shit ton of people play it anymore. There's a multitude of reasons. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it's just the game's fucking hard. Yeah. But just there's yeah. no other way to do it. Yeah, it sounds like it. They just, it's Japanese game design. I mean, and it makes a, a good example of this. FromSoft is a Japanese company. Yeah. Anybody who plays video games just knows like Japanese game design is not, is just has an entirely different yeah. different philosophy than American this game design. This obviously isn't, this is well before even Final Fantasy XI, but when I like, I just think of what I'm mostly complaining about is like the oldie point and click games. Because mm-hmm. I watched a lot of those games. Like Space Quest is a great example. I haven't played Space Quest, but I've watched several of them be played. The Game Grumps played them and I enjoy their content. And um, because Dan either, because he usually played them, either played them as a child or played them recently to prep for the show, there's a lot of things he did that are just stupid. The game just expects you to do, but it makes zero sense why you would do it. And it's literally there because their game is reasonably short. It's a three hour game unless you spend six weeks trying to figure out a problem. Yep. And like that is just fake difficulty. And it's there's a lot of nostalgia to it (laughs) because like you said, when you were younger, you had one game. For six months. Yeah. So it kind of needed to last. And that was obviously a big point of like success. When you figure it out, you finally get, you fight it for weeks and weeks and weeks and you finally figure it out or a friend tells you a, a, a secret or a cheat code or. Um, collaboration was expected on a lot of that kind of yeah. stuff. Like back, back when collaboration was. So, was much way, more difficult. Way harder. But like you were supposed to as, a, and I, that's one of my, some of my favorite memories of gaming when I was a kid was like playing the same you know, yeah. I've mentioned multiple times. Yep. We all have Final Fantasy VIII now. Let's so, all play Final Fantasy VIII. I'll tell you, one of the reasons I probably don't like that philosophy in gaming is I didn't have friends. Yeah. I so didn't. You're trying to do it by yourself and there's only so much one person can do. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, and I'm yep. not that smart. Like, I never, I mean, I had I had a friend or two here and there, but I never really had friends. I never played games with my friends. I never hung out with my friends. So, like, yeah, I hated that shit when I'm like, this is stupid. I'm not going to, I'm not going to the next. And there's no one to help me. And there's no one to help me. <laughs> yep. Oh, I know. And that's, that's just how and we did things. To, to boot, even though it was quite a bit later and the internet was a thing, I didn't have it at home. Yep. We didn't have the internet. Yeah. Me neither. We didn't have the internet yeah. in my house till my senior year in high school, which was 2003, 2004. I believe for a good, for a chunk of my high school, I did get broadband. We had dial up a bit before that, which dial up was internet, but in the strictest definition. And then I did get broadband like one megabit a second yeah. in, in the middle of high school or maybe early high school where I could actually like 
do research and look things up. And I remember being in middle school and doing like a research on a paper on like Teddy Roosevelt and like clicking on a page and having to walk away. So the, te- the page load. of text yep. could load. Mm-hmm. So, Oh yeah. Same boat. Better than you, but like, yeah, I didn't get broadband until I moved out and me yeah. and uh, it was me, Derek and Brian all got an apartment, barely internet. And then we got Comcast and it was like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> The internet's a thing. That was 2004. Yeah. Ugh. Anywho. Wrap it up, Matt. We've been talking too long. No, we've been rambling because uh, there's not going to be much to discuss in Legacy. Yeah. We can skip me this week. I didn't do anything. I played some COD. I did find a really good new gun in COD. That's not a new gun, but I discovered the Signal 50, which Mm -hmm. is a 50 cal sniper rifle, but it's semi-automatic. Oh, that's cool. So I've been doing everything with a buddy of mine. Me and him both, we went through the process of falling in love with marksman rifles which are usually bolt action, the ones we use. And they're one-shot kill. Usually if you hit from like, maybe like the chest up or the heart up mm-hmm. is a one-shot kill. And then, uh, but, you know, you can't kill two people. If you miss your shot, you're dead. Yeah. Stuff like that. And then we went to sniper rifles because they are a decent bit slower, but they're a little more reliable. They're usually like the waist up, you'll get a kill. And then I just like was fucking around and I discovered the Signal 50, which is semi-automatic and is from the waist up a kill. And me and him were playing last night. <clears throat> Sorry, last night. And we were just laughing our fucking ass off because it feels like playing with cheat codes on. Mm-hmm. Where, like, we would be watching it, we'd peek a corner, watch a corner, and three people would come around and we'd just go, pa, 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 and fucking kill all of them. <laughs> and it's like, this isn't, this has been impossible for the last 150 hours of this game. Yep. And so we were just losing our fucking shit about how broken this gun is when you spend. A hundred hours learning how to make every single shot count, every flick. Because you can, with this, I can miss once or twice. I can be like, pa, miss on the way back, knock him down. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Whereas that never fucking happened. And so we were laughing our fucking asses off. And we didn't do great, but we just like, there's so many situations that were impossible with a marksman rifle or a traditional bolt action sniper rifle that yeah. the signal 50 is just like, we were both like, we need to use this before it gets fucking nerfed. This is ridiculous. Yeah. So that's all I've done really though. I played a little bit of, played a little bit of COD. Yep. I've been playing 11 and that's about it. Just working and playing. Well, I'll say the other thing I've been doing is I'm thinking about our patrons. So if you want to be someone who occupies space, occupies space in my brain every single week, if you go to patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel, you too can become some of our most dedicated fans and help us in a very meaningful way. Just like Emperor, who puts our stuff on Reddit every single week, Ramblin' Rogue, Ashley, Eric, Monowolf, Ethan, CJ, Nate, Jameson Asphalt, Ted, Mumbledown, and Rob M. Huge shout out to everyone who supports us. Um, uh, quick Quick, quick mention about last week and the little leader about, hey, you know, Will's coming on to the podcast. Um, <laughs> yeah. Will decided that uh, he basically disapproves of the way Watsy is running Magic in general, which, to be honest, I don't disagree with. And has decided it's in his best interest to take a step back from producing Magic related content in general. So the short lived. Yep, never the even sh- happened. The short-lived collab of Dr. Casual with the Casual Cartel has ended. Yep, which the funny thing was that literally just came from a joke that I made. Yeah, we were teasing we just, about it. I was just like, hey, we should, you know, Invite you should join us and we'd be I the Casual it, Cartel. And then I thought it was great. I was actually going to go by the domain for like uh, for like a group for us. Yeah. And luckily I did not because we don't need it anymore. <clears throat> so but that yeah. whole thing was a... 
That not is, even a flash in the pan. It so, never happened. Yeah, he's become. He, he was jokingly <laughs> in the Discord being like, he's become the statistic. He didn't make it to ten. Yeah, for his uh, Doctor Casual yes, podcast. So yeah. that is that is not going to be a thing anymore. But oh. Matt, we're already twenty four minutes in. Uh, can we do a quick overview of how's Legacy looking? <laughs> not fucking great. <laughs> this, yeah, it's uh, it's really it, it's very much a a peak and trough right now, isn't yeah. it? Well, it's- Pretty much. <clears throat> We've got a uh, Legacy Showcase Challenge that happened on Sunday. The 15th, yes. The 15th. Um, it looks like they may not be in exact order, but first and second place are correct. Third and fourth are correct. Like, the top four is the correct top four. Okay. Uh, and then, like, I don't know the order of who got seventh, who got eighth, that kind of thing, but we'll just read them top. Doesn't even really yeah, matter. It doesn't matter. I We're mean, once, go- you get, once you get past fourth, everyone is fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth, because yeah. they all lost. Yes. So, uh, We've got Juju Bean twenty or two thousand four brought it home with technically Grixis Delver, but it's blue red Delver with an underground C and four snuff outs. Yeah, this deck is literally never going to produce a black mana. Basically, I mean, I it mean, could it could cast snuff out. Yes, it can, but but ninety nine games out of a hundred, this deck will never tap a mana and add black. Correct. Uh, didn't even bring in any sideboard cards. That's how lit. Like it's absolutely like it's not like they're like well i've got a underground c yep let's you know maybe throw in some thought seeds or just, something like that it's just four snuff out it's for just four snuff out wide initiative and maybe the mirror yeah and that's the thing is like a lot of people have been running snuff out to deal with delver yeah and then once it's very delver good against initiative because initiative is once you if you don't let initiative get going it's fucked <clears throat> if you mm-hmm. just don't let it get started if you just kill two of its creatures it's it's fucked yeah because it's, I don't want to say it's slow. Doesn't have because any, it's, expl- but, it's explosive, and yeah. if you can prevent prevent it from going off, uh huh, yeah. And look, so. I mean, think, just think about the mana advantage you're talking about. They're planning on spending four ish mana on turn one, and you can go for zero mana, kill it. Yep. Not to mention, they're effectively spending cards to generate that yeah. mana quickly. So if they go something like Chrome Mox Pitch, yep, there's two Lotus cards. Petal, three. City Soul. of Traders. Yeah, there's four cards out of their there's hand. Four cards to play the, to play the fifth. Yep. And then you just snuff it out. Yep. Well, they've lost the Lotus Petal. Their City of Traders is now effectively shutting them off from playing any future lands or losing that. Yep. And their Chrome Mox has already pitched a card. Yeah. It's so they're in a position where without losing something, yeah, they can't really progress the game. Yeah. Even if it's only a two for one or a three for one, you're not. Snu- yeah. It, and if they aren't getting that, if they aren't able to establish the inherent value of initiative, which I guess some of them ETB gain the initiative. Yeah. Some of them do. But like. A lot of the initiative they're capitalizing on is for their creatures, and they're not getting anything for it anymore. Right. So, like, yeah, it's a great way to attack. It's just go a little heavier on the removal, like with Lightning Bolt and Snuff Out. Well, and to be fair, like we've discussed many times, the initiative one for one, like if you're just getting it once a turn, isn't that good? No, it is not. Like if all it was was Monarch with just different things, it's not that good. No. Monarch is way better. But... It's when you can abuse it multiple times. Yeah. You keep that board cleared or at least get ahead of them to the point where like if you can buy enough time that you can windmill slam a Merktide Regent, all of a sudden their initiative is just yeah. hits a stone wall. I mean, just play a 6-6. Six, six. Their 4-3 <laughs> is not that impressive. Right. Their 4-3 is impressive when it's attacking into 1-1s. One yeah. Or, or it's, even like it's something on turn like, 1 or turn 2. Yeah. So... So yeah, <clears throat> um, great great tech from Juju Bean. We see him all the time up here. I'm not surprised to see them breaking the meta open. Yep, and there is one other twelfth uh, place was also the same, a very similar list. Blue Red Delver with snuff outs. Um, just as a quick point, this is one of the issues that 
me and a lot of other people have is initiative comes out and is shitting on almost everything but delver but because of the flexibility of the shell delver is still yeah the best position deck best position deck to deal with it because all it does is go cool well i'll just take out some of the removal yeah. that's more relevant in other matchups but is less relevant in the initiative matchup bring in i mean w- rewind to like november before initiative comes out like can anyone be like yeah i think four snuff outs in the main deck of delvers really good. yeah <laughs> no, it, that, that's the tag because it, it made no sense right but it makes a hell of a lot of sense in yeah. this and delver just gets to pivot yep. any way it needs to pivot yep fetch lands perfect mana and all the cantrips right brainstorm and, ponder and they still have tons of free counter spells to hold up the uh combo matchup uh-huh so like they just and i mean force of will against initiative isn't is, that bad either right it's got plenty of answers so just to go just kind of goes to show you that like the big stick Dude, in the room is still the big stick i fucking love the grixis deck with one basic land gets to run blood moon in the side yeah <laughs> it's a grixis deck with one basic island mm-hmm. and it has blood moon sure does tell me again why we had to ban astrolabe to protect the sanctity of the mana bases <laughs> well to be fair I think the banning the astrolabe argument is true. This deck, this deck is just stupid. I think that's basically what it boils down to. <laughs> like we'd be in a much better position without astrolabe and without this. Maybe we can get back to actually playing some magic. Um, next up in second place, a cool user with cephalid breakfast. Breakfast. Uh, we've talked about this before. Uh, basically uses Cephalid Illusionist and a couple other cards, some uh, Shuko or uh, Nomad Incor, Tamila Toll deck, flop down to Thassa's Oracle with a Dread Return and win the game. Like, yeah. pretty straightforward combo uh, as far as what we're discussing here. I don't see a ton of cards we haven't seen before. Some of this stuff, like the numbers, wouldn't surprise me if some of this stuff got moved around a little bit. I'm certainly not an expert in Cephalid Breakfast, so, you know, who knows? Uh, we do have Swords of Plowshares in the side and Prismatic Ending in the side, so they can kind of pivot to a little bit more of a control role. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably very important for, again, the initiative matchup. Yeah. Because this, well, this combo's not super fast. Prismatic Ending isn't really great against initiative. No, but it's great but against swords a lot of other is. things. Swords buys you some time. Swords is phenomenal. Yeah. Swords is a phenomenal card to be bringing in. And Prismatic Ending in this particular matchup, I don't think it's super important, but uh, Initiative does have a couple artifacts that are worth hitting. I mean, general. yeah, in a world where you can... But, like, getting, the big one would be getting, like, Chalice, but this isn't a, sup- a deck that's super weak to Chalice. Yeah, but you could... I, I, I mean, I don't I don't even think you'd bring him in. I'm not saying you should. That's what I'm just... Like, I'm just trying, to think, I'm trying to think of what the endings are for, then. What hate pieces are you worried about? I mean, I guess you're worried about graveyard hate pieces... Maybe you bring your endings in for graveyard-based hate. Yeah, I mean, well, that's pretty much how you beat this deck. Yeah, so like rest in peace. Either uh, uh, maybe a Nihil spell bomb. Yeah. Uh, uh, What's the what's the car? Graph digger's cage. What's the car? Uh, Unless it's hers. hers. Yeah, you could bring in then for lots of those just to just to pave the way for your combo. Yep. Because your combo is zero mana, isn't it? Once you let's let's live in a world where you've established the creatures. Because it's, uh, yeah, the on board, it's zero mana. It's zero mana activate. Yeah, so you, you have just, some extra mana to toss around. Yeah. Or if you had like a Shuko and the Cephalid Illusionist, you could 
then you you know you only you only need two mana to make the combo work. So. I did I did misspeak there a little bit. I don't want to when I said that cephalid breakfast isn't super fast. What I meant to say is it doesn't rely on fast mana. It yeah. can just turn one nomad, turn two illusionist. It could, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's very possible. But you got, yeah, you have to assemble multiple pieces, yeah, and you have um, no acceleration on mana. Right. I mean, if you're if you're a combo deck and you're running <clears throat> to fairy time raveler, you are prepared to slow down a little bit. Right. And that's what I was kind of getting at. But I didn't want to. Yeah. I didn't want people to think that I didn't realize that the game can actually just end on turn two. Yeah. <laughs> it can. <laughs> like we're playing legacy. It, it absolutely it can. can just end on turn two. You just mill yourself with the illusionist. Yeah, Dread Return. Get your Narco Amoebas, Dread Return, Narco, uh, Oracle, yeah, GG. Uh, next up, we've got Mono White Initiative, the only appearance of this deck in the top eight. So, kind of the complete, like, reversal of oh, yeah, last we, week. We have a mirror of last week where we had one Delver and five uh, Initiative, and now we have five Delver and one Initiative. Yeah. I'm curious as to how much the effect of having the snuff outs in a couple decks, like, kicked a couple initiative people out of the top eight because yeah. in 10th and 11th are two initiative decks but in ninth is another delver deck like the the top 16 is just ugly yeah i think there's 12 of the top 16 are either blue red delver or uh initiative if i remember correctly um <clears throat> looking at this deck though uh we've got a couple walking ballistas which isn't in all of them like we've seen them but it's not there's it doesn't seem like anybody's kind of nailed a deck list yet of like the perfect 75. Yeah, oh, absolutely um, not. Not even remotely close. Yeah. Like we're still seeing, I mean, between four and eight different creatures. Yeah. So, and to be fair, that's one of the things that I think is actually a strength of the deck. Yeah. Is given the fast mana, you can just tinker around with stuff. Yeah. And this seems like another kind of deck that could. Uh, assuming it doesn't get nuked from orbit, could and becomes like a long-term kind of deck, kind of like adapt to the meta, kind yeah. of like in the same way Delver does. Obviously, it's a little more narrow because it's going to be pretty close to a solid white deck for most of its existence, I would think. Yep. <clears throat> I think the best adventurer cards are white, but that could change. We never know. Yeah, who knows if we go back to some kind of Forgotten Realms or, we, or, or some um, supplemental product brings initiative in. Right. I, mean, I, bet, just, I bet Watsi is a little hesitant to touch it with how badly it's worked this time. I would hope. Yeah. <laughs> but who knows? <laughs> but yeah, there's not a whole lot to say about this. Everybody knows what's in this deck. Yeah. Everybody seems to... I still, like, clearly some shit needs to change, but I'm just like, I still just, whatever. Yeah, like, it's... I just... It's been such a fuster cluck for so long. Yeah. And, like, so it's a fuster cluck with different colors now. Right. And, and the funny thing is, the previous clusterfuck, it's still here. Like, this is the showcase challenge, big legacy event, and it's not mono white initiative. It's still the same deck that's been shitting on legacy for almost two years now. Yeah. Like, so yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not pleased that there's two decks that comprise like half of over, well, over half of this uh, top 32, but like, uh-huh. I'm not exactly heartbroken. I'm, all we would see without mono without initiative here is probably more Delver. Mm-hmm. There's probably I'm just pulling these numbers out of my ass. This is a pure speculation. There's a probably a decent chunk of the initiative people who played Death and Taxes and kind of pivoted into it because they like mono Makes white, sense. right? I would bet the majority of them are oh. playing initiative because they think it's the best deck. 
if they weren't playing initiative, they'd probably be playing Delver. Yeah. The people that adopted initiative right away are probably chasing the most percentage points they can. Right. And the most percentage points other than initiative is Delver. Right. Because it's not like there's, for example, that going to bring it up because it's me and elves. I play elves because I've been playing elves for 20 years. There is no initiative player who's been playing initiative for 20 years. No. There's no nostalgia here. They're not doing it because they just love the mechanic. <laughs> like, yeah, it's broken. They're trying to be broken. It's broken. They Which want to play the strongest deck in the format. There's something wrong with no, that. No, I'm not critiquing that at all. But that's what they're playing it. What I'm saying is a lot of these people would just be playing Blue Red Dover instead. Yeah. Because I, that's the arguably the next best yeah. broken thing. I like to play Blue White Control because I like having I like not losing to combo. I like being able to counter stuff and force a will and have answers. I don't play Blue White Control because it's the best deck. Right. Because it's not. And it hasn't been since top. A perfect example of this. Bryant Cook top aided. He's playing ad nauseum. Yep. Like doesn't matter that Ad Nauseum's not the best nope. deck in the format. He's playing it. He's playing Ad He's going to play a Storm deck. Yeah. Nobody's going to go, oh, I just love Initiative. I'm sure people are having a good time with it in the yeah. short term. If you're crushing challenges, it's probably a lot of fun. Uh, all right. Enough uh, filler, so to speak. The next two decks are Blue-Red Delver. Uh-huh. <laughs> Speaking of Bryant Cook, it's got him listed as sixth place. Uh, but more importantly, he top-aided. We've got Ad nauseum storm. Yep, ad nauseum. It's yep. good old ant speak uh, uh, showing off his. I don't know if it's his tech or what, but striking off Orm's chant, which is something that I remember hearing him talk about. I guess it was many months ago at this point on his on his podcast and really digging it. And he's kind of had it as a mainstay ever since. I have, Orm's, I have two Orm's chant and two silence. I have no idea exactly what iteration of ant he's on, but you know, he's he does it a lot. That's what he does. This is his, this is his shtick. I was going to say, to me, I always look at it as, like, I kind of think, I view it the same way I think of, like, Reed Duke and Julian with elves. Like, whatever they're playing is... Probably correct. Probably correct. whatever they're playing in a tournament. Because obviously he spends a lot of time tinkering. But yeah, whatever Julian... He he showed up to a showcase challenge. Yeah. Whatever Julian shows up to the Pro Tour with is probably the correct form of elves right now. Right. It's just it probably is. You could almost call it stock. (laughs) No, we're not going back to that fucking six, eight week long joke of stock elves. <laughs> New stock ant just dropped. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Running Orms chanting prismatic ending. <laughs> um, for once, it is actually a four color deck that uses all four colors. That's mm-hmm. cool. <laughs> yeah. It actually does make all the mana and use all the mana. Although it does get to cheat quite a bit with uh, Lion's Eye Diamond. And Lotus Petals Mox, and Chrome Moxes. Mox Opal yeah. is the big one. Yeah. Lotus I mean, Petals. Yeah, you got seven different moxes in four lotus petals and four yeah. lion's eye diamonds. Like it's not, you know, it does make it does make those extra colors but a little easier. To be fair, the deck does just straight up run plateau. Yes, it does. There's more plateaus being run right now than in the past like decade of uh-huh. <laughs> between the red versions of initiative and Bryant Cook single handedly with Storm. Yep. Uh, next two decks are Delver. Yes, they are. So that's our top eight. And, uh, sorry, the next three decks are Delver. Ninth I've been looking through them, also, uh, also and uh, except for the occasional like a subtlety here or there, um, I haven't seen really anything that's subtlety. Kind of makes sense given initiative. Yeah, like there's not a whole lot though. Subtlety isn't even a good answer to initiative. No, but it is an answer. It is an answer. I think snuff out is probably the correct oh, answer. It's, I think it's way better. But I just don't forget subtlety puts it back on top. Yeah. Well, the nice thing is, is it's it's a turn zero answer. So yeah. if they get the nuts, 
you can force a will. It's basically like a fifth force of will, yeah. sort of, because force of negation is not going to stop it. No, it is not. Um, but yeah, I think snuff out is probably the better call than subtlety in this for this particular case. So, um, but yeah, nice to see subtlety still seeing some seeing a little bit of play. It's turns out it turns out free spells that do a thing are still broken, even especially when they're attached to a creature, especially when they have, especially when they can kill your opponent. So yeah, well, let's just go over this real quick. So we had blue red Delver breakfast initiative Delver Delver storm Delver 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 initiative initiative Delver. That's the top twelve. Like it's so stupid. Yep. Meta game summary. Uh, we've got eight blue red Delver, then two more Grixis Delver for a total of ten out of the top thirty-two. Um, other is listed as five, which strict like. Well, the like, past what, few weeks, other hasn't been. It's been control yeah. decks most well, of the time. Brian Cook could be an other, yeah, because he just colors. And it looks a lot of these are like four or five color control lists. Yep, there's a four color Uro, like Uro Minsk and Minsk and Boo, yeah, kind of crap. Life in the Loam. That just hasn't been hasn't been given a like a full categorized name on the website yet. Yeah. So like, I mean, basically the next best thing after initiative would be <laughs> control. There's a blue black reanimator deck running four baleful Strix, which four uh, Archon of Cruelty. Three grief and four ledger shredder, which uh, that would be is it twenty eighth twenty eighth top G, yeah this weird like control reanimator list that doesn't even run Grizzlebrand, yeah well it's not running uh in tomb or anything nope it's just it's kind of like a value reanimator where it's just using like reanimate to gain some uh obviously you've got stuff like Archon to like just blow people out yeah but... well it's, what's funny is like your only discard outlets are careful study yep. Ledger Shredder, that's it. Yep. And discarding the hand size. Yeah. Like, you do not have a lot of ways to get these fatties into the yard. No, but Baleful Strix is pretty good uh, in the meta. Most of those um, initiative dudes don't have Trample, so no. Baleful Strix would trade pretty well with that. Um, and then you just bring it back, and you only lose the two life. You get another card. Like, I can see that going on. Uh-huh. Uh, grief to attack their hand, It does I guess. work very poorly with Animate Dead. Which is probably why there's only two anime dead, not four. Yeah. <clears throat> but yeah, that's kind of a weird list. Just kind of some got shielded but, in the side. Yeah. And then for reference, as you go through, I did look it up. There are 25% of decks had initiative cards in them. Yeah. So even though it only says 16% for Selesnya, there's 25%. Yeah. So there was 25% Delver and 25%. Oh, sorry. There was 25% Is It Delver, 6% Grixis, and 25% initiative. initiative. Yeah. So we're looking at. 51 56. no 56 yeah sorry 56 percent between those two decks yeah yay <laughs> <laughs> who'd have thought we'd we would pay good money for it to be at least a rock paper scissors right now it's a fucking coin flip hey coin flips better than just auto Delver. win yeah uh most played cards this Sadly, sounds real familiar, but it's lit, the deck. It, the most played cards is Blue Red Delver. Yep, it's Brainstorm, Force of Will, Ponder, Expressive Iteration, Days, Murktide, Lightning Bolt, Pyroblast, Delver of Secrets, DRC. All ten. <laughs> it's all ten for ten. I don't think I've seen that before. Usually, there's like one card uh, in there, like one Lotus Petal or one Thalia, yeah, or... something to like. Because there's a lot of like crossover, but Delver runs all that shit. Now, Pyroblast would probably be the closest thing to that, even though Delver does run it. It's also yeah. run in several other decks in order to fight Delver. Uh, yep. Uh, most uh, top creatures, Murktide, uh, Delver, DRC, White Plume Adventure, 
which seems to be the common consensus of what card needs to go. Um, it comes down the soonest, and like it's a lot easier to get it down turn one because it only costs three. Yeah, and also, and it, it's the one that makes your shit unblockable. It gives you it's not unblockable because well, it, it gives it pseudo vigilance. Um, I look. Which one was I looking at? White Plume Adventurer. At the oh game. yeah, there, there's a uh, Season Dungeoneer. That's the one I was thinking of that gives gotcha. the the unblock effectively unblockable protection from creatures. Yeah, which is unblockable. I was thinking yeah. that's wrong because it lets you it lets your three three or your or your five five or whatever it lets it hang back as a blocker too because it yep. untaps. Well, and it protects initiative. And yes, which that, which the that's vigilance the part. actually does matter. It protects initiative. You can swing in, poke yeah. them, and still keep initiative. So we got White Plume Adventurer, then Solitude, and then basically the rest of either initiative or cards against initiative. Yep. Top spells, brainstorm, force will, ponder, expressive iteration, days. Like that's legacy. That's how we're looking. Yeah. Not fantastic. Not doing great, but let's head over to modern. Let's take a quick look at modern. It's going to be a little short this week, guys, because there's not much to talk about in legacy. Um, first place with Alexander Rochdal. What do we got? We got a, just a regular challenge. Uh, yes. Modern was just a regular challenge this week. No showcase, nothing, nothing crazy special. I do want to say there was also, before we go into modern real quick, because I don't want everyone to think the sky's falling with a uh, legacy. There was a 5k legacy, uh, SCG con. And like, it's even then it's still like mostly Delver with some initiative. Uh huh. Like the, uh, I hope to God this is miscategorized. Okay. There's something that one of the lists was mono white Belcher. I was like, how? Okay. It's impressive. <laughs> but no, so like your top eight of that is like Delver, Delver, initiative, painter, Del, or uh, initiative, initiative, combo, painter. Like, but There's still five first, or six, five of the top slots, or, five, or four of the top eight, five of the top yeah, eight. Yeah, like it's, there's some events in paper where it's kind of taken over. It kind of, I imagine it's a little bit of a localized thing. Well, the nice thing about it is a cheap deck. Yeah. But you, to me, Given it's rel it's relatively inexpensive in for legacy in legacy terms, yeah. and how powerful it is, you'd think it'd be all over paper. But I I imagine there's probably a lot of people that aren't going to buy into it because it's going to probably eat a ban. Mm -hmm. But anywho, I just wanted to discuss that. Yeah. So first place modern and Domino creativity. Uh, this is a list we talk about all almost every week. It's kind of become the new El Primo uh, combo deck, even though I don't think it's as good as. Um, I don't think it's as good as Yawgmoth, in my opinion. <clears throat> I don't think it's as good as Yawgmoth. I don't think it's um, as consistent as uh, Living End. But it is a very, very powerful deck, just on the backbone of Archon of Cruelty. An insane card that was clearly printed for reanimation decks and probably shouldn't exist. Like, it should say choose two. Like, it should give those four options and say choose two. Getting all four of them, they discard a card, they lose a permanent, you draw a card, you gain three life. Oh, yeah. oh and they lose three life. Yeah. So those five options. But um, on the back of that, uh, probably the only interesting selection here is Mana Leak. So two mana, count it unless they pay three. You're already bouncing into three colors, sort of, uh, with the Ren and Six, because you do have one green pip in there. So double blue can be difficult, especially when you're trying to hit triple red. So it kind of makes sense to go for an easier to cast counterspell yep. over a uh, just one steam vents basically. Yeah, over a for sure um, counterspell. That triple red is is pretty hard to hit sometimes, especially considering you don't want to be using your treasures. 
you know, you do make treasures in this deck, but you don't want to use your treasures to cast it because you need those treasures to sack for things. They believe indomitable creativity hits yeah, artifacts or creatures. Um, indomitable creativity is really the only non graveyard combo, like the only real non graveyard combo deck, isn't it? Uh, that sees play. Yeah, I think so. I think that's probably the biggest. If I had to guess, my yeah, that's fair. Like, because Reanimator obviously is out of the graveyard, easy to hate. Um, Living End, easy to hate, out of the <laughs> graveyard. This is the only like it's all on board. It's all, but it's all out of the deck, out of the hand. And nothing has to sit in the graveyard to come back. It, I that would be my guess. Is it's there's probably enough other combo decks that the sideboard <laughs> slots are probably spread too thin, and yeah. this one attacks on an angle that the yeah. others don't. I mean, when I'm playing uh, Reanimator, like two to three Stony Silences stock in your sideboard, just because like that's all the hate. Everyone runs tons of hate, and it's all uh, artifact graveyard based. Yeah, and this is just like basically counterspell is what stops this deck. Yeah, and you've got two mana leak, four spell pierce. Yeah, and a fire ice, which can get it done. End of turn, fire ice. Their only blue source come to mm -hmm. my turn, make it happen. Yeah, like absolutely. That's a line of play. I've seen that multiple times. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's a way the to old. Take it. Uh, there's a card called Mana Short. Which is three mana. It's tap all tar all of target players' lands and empty their mana pool. Yeah, just end of turn mana short. Yep, you don't get to hold up counterspell. Now people just do silence that kind of thing. Yeah, but yeah, same principle applies. So on the realm of uh, Crashcade or Living In, we do have Crashcade in second place. This is your typical Crashcade list uh, for Fury, a couple season Pyromancer for value. After that, uh, like we're not even running subtlety, subtlety or stomp in this one. This is just like dead gone's fire ices, and then your crash gate spells. Um, nothing in here that's particularly interesting. Look at that sideboard. I love a sideboard like that. Me too. Four, three four, blood four, moon, three. four endurance, four mystical dispute, four force of vigor. Simple, easy. Um, honestly, probably less tuned, but it he knows what he has to fight, and he's ready to fight it. Well, and he also his options are so narrowed because of the cascading so it's just yeah. like i mean it is but is like, there a card that caught that's better than endurance that that costs three or more <laughs> yeah it's um there's a couple of them that there's there's there definitely a handful of options i've seen in these decks run but this is probably some of the even if they're not the widest the best answers mm -hmm. um for those problems next up in third place a deck we have not seen in quite a while that used to uh, face fuck legacy or modern pretty hard. Grixis Death Shadow's back. Uh, Grixis Death Shadow lost Luris and kind of disappeared overnight. It has now picked up Gigantha because why not? Yep. And it's got uh, Ledger Shredders in it as well as like the new pickup. So you know, uh, Ragavan Death Shadow Croxa three Croxa. That's a lot of Croxa. Yep. As someone who I played Croxa in um, Pioneer. I've been toying with it, and I went up to three, even without a ton of card draw, which is, this deck doesn't have a bunch of anyway, but like without much card draw, three Croxa was almost too much. So three Croxa is a lot. I'm actually back down to two. And then four Ledger Shredder to help turn through the deck um, and power out those Croxas, because one of the hard things about Croxa can be just getting enough spells in the graveyard, because one of those things, you like every spell is in the graveyard is that as a card technically you've played, you're down mm -hmm. on cards in hand. Well, and a lot, just to back up that point, most of the cards in this style build are reactive cards. Yeah. So if your so opponent like, is, if you're, if you're not able to point your stuff at your opponent or their creatures, they're getting stuck in your hand and you want to begin that croaks out and smashing them before they can establish. 
But after that, it's literally all the cards you expect to see in Grixis, like uh, seven thought seizes, uh, it terminates. Like the only thing I, the only thing you don't see here that you expect to see in Grixis is fucking Culligan's command, and that's because that card's terrible now. So, ha! There's one, one, there's one in the side of Culligan's command inside. <laughs> but question from last week: My thought sees a card at random. Yeah, that or Inquisition of Kozilek. Um. I would say Kozilek is still better because Kozilek, especially in modern, hits the cheap stuff, and the cheap stuff's what matters. If in the, in a world where we're in the, in a world where we're doing it, let's say turn one or two, uh, Kozilek still gives you usually the same tempo advantage for most decks, not all, but for most decks, the same tempo advantage you're wanting out of your Thoughtseize anyway. Now, in a more grindier deck or a more mid rangey deck, Thoughtseize is infinitely better because you're not worried about hitting their turn two play. You might be worried about hitting their turn five finisher or their turn five no, answer. No, no, not not Thoughtseize. My my Thoughtseize at random. Oh, the thing from last week. So it's Thoughtseize. It's the exact same as Thoughtseize, but instead you hit any card at random. Yeah, that or Inquisition. But you still see their hand. Yes, or Inquisition. Because I think we both agreed that not seeing their hand mm, rules it out. Just I think it's, yeah, I think half the, the value of thought sees is the know. information. Which um, is, that's kind of an awkward card to have. Maybe it's <clears> like they discard a card at random and then reveal their hand, something like that. Like the, I mean, just I could, the play of it's just kind of weird. I could totally see it. I mean, target player reveals their hand, then discards a card at random. Yeah. Um, it's just weird. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I have been burned quite a few times by Kozilek, by Inquisition, where... It hits nothing, or it doesn't hit the thing they care about. I don't know. I because there's an element of randomness in both of them at this point. There is. I still think the choice is better than the um, upside of hitting a land. the The upside of hitting a land, which is real but very minor, and it's kind of funny. Is as the upside of hitting a land goes up, the odds of hitting a land goes down. If you think about it, mm-hmm. it's because let's, let's say you hit him on. Let's say they went first. They got their one land, and they got they kept their two land hand. The odds of hitting that land are very low, but the strength of hitting that land is very high. Yep. <laughs> it's, so, hey, you want to roll a d6 as, and see if you win this well, game? <laughs> what I'm saying is, as the card gets better, it also gets worse. Oh, I know. Which is but interesting. That's, what I mean. that's I. That's one of the things I like about that. Like that yeah. design. To me, there's a lot of tension in that design. Now, discarding cards at random, a lot of people hate, and I not yeah, even yeah. necessarily disagree. I, I to, to cap my thoughts on it because I think I think I still vote Inquisition. Is I feel worse getting thought seized than hymned even those two cards um because with a hymn it's all random i might get to keep my good shit which i have definitely absolutely been hymned on turn one discard my two lands and the game's fucking over um but on thought seized, like i just know for a fact unless my opponent is making a mistake i just know for a fact my plans are fucked so i think that i think the choice is still better than the possible upside of just fucking a hand entirely or maybe if you don't have your, maybe you kept a hand on land, ephemerate, um, uh, fury, pitch card, and, or let's say double ephemerate, and you know, now it doesn't do anything. Now Inquisition does nothing, whereas obviously you could hit that, you could hit that fury and make this hand fucking garbage. That's the one, like, that's the one thing in the current era of modern that would make me hesitant to run Inquisition of Kozilek is the the pitch the elementals. The pitch elementals, are yeah. just Because you can't everywhere. touch Everywhere. Yep. Absolutely. It's the um the average CMC of modern has gone up exponentially in the last two or three years because the amount of cards we actually pay for has gone down exponentially between things like Merktide, 
Um, uh, yeah, that's another one. Inquisition doesn't hit. Doesn't hit. Uh, all the pitch elementals. Um, the things like Uro, which is banned, but Croxa too, which you want in the grave. Like, the number of cards you want in the graveyard. So, yeah. Um, sorry, wrapping up the stack. Not really anything else. But, yeah. I, I still think... I still think I value if I was playing them, which is I'm going to I'm going to choose yeah. one I would play based on how much I don't like being hit by. I really hate when I get thought seized. like turn one thought seized, and I'm like, fuck you. This hand's garbage now. <laughs> That's usually what I think. This mm-hmm. hand's garbage because I usually keep a hand based off one or two key cards. This hand's fucking garbage unless I have unless I get to go turn one brainstorm. Nothing feels better than countering a thought seized with brainstorm with brainstorm being like, I'm just going to stick this down here. Yep. Fuck you. Definitely want that one next. Oh, and look at that. I still have a fetch in my hand. Yep. <laughs> Guess I'll draw this Almost one. Like brainstorm and shuffle. is super, super fucking busted. It is. Oh, it absolutely is. I was so here for reference. In my opinion, Signal Fifty is the brainstorm of Call of Duty. Gotcha. That's what it feels like. It felt it, and I died plenty. It fucking doesn't feel fair. It feels like someone's playing. It feels like you're playing Serum Visions and I'm playing Force or uh, Brainstorm. Yeah. And it sounds so good. It has a really deep throaty katunk. <laughs> and it's usually followed by a because <laughs> you get a little hit marker sound as they yeah. die. So it's katunk, katunk. It's so fucking awesome. And you just look at the kill feed and you're like, Mark, it'd be like, Mark, 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 Mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. After we're in an easier lobby too. Don't hit, don't flame us too hard. We were having fun. Uh fourth place. Is Blue it Mark Red Dyke? Delver? <laughs> Blue Red Delver. Uh, nothing really different in here. Um, three Ledger Shredder, one Brazen Borrower. Like, pretty much the exact well, Delver. Well, this one did, they're they're running the Ledger Shredders, and they've, which a couple of them had last week as well. Yeah. But they seem to have cut Archmage's Charm. That Is that seemed, where we found it? Yeah, I mean, that seems to be worth what they've cut. Archmage's Charm seems iffy in this deck anyway to me. Like, this deck is definitely a slower tempo deck. It's tempo into mid range, but like Archmage's Charm doesn't seem. It seems like an odd choice. A th- like blue, blue, blues is kind of hard to hit, and like three mana is a lot when this deck is trying to play something every turn. The Ragavan helps for sure. Uh, Ragavan getting in there and getting some treasure tokens, but Ragavan so rarely, <sighs> Ragavan so rarely gets a couple treasure tokens anymore because it's just like the 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 words out. Like people are prepared for Ragavan, and I've seen it happen. And I've seen Ragavan hit three times, and they still lose. It happens, but the word is out that Ragavan is a problem, and I don't see a ton of games where Ragavan gets in there and does a bunch of work because decks in modern, it's like Ragavan and Murktide. Like decks are just des- so designed with those two cards in mind that they're so powerful. They're such auto includes that if you're not prepared to answer either one or both. I, you've probably made some bad decisions deck building, or you're playing a combo deck that doesn't care about them, which is also yep. fine. But nothing else really in here. Some interesting cards in the side. Uh, one test of talents, which is a really cool. I saw that. Yeah. Uh, it's a negate, or it's it's not a negate. It's so you counter instant or sorcery, but then you get to uh, surgical extraction all of the other ones, which is pretty powerful. It's obviously very very limited, where you're only getting instant or sorcery. But obviously that's phenomenal against any kind of Crash Gate deck or any kind of um, Cascade deck in general. There's lots of decks where a Test of Talents is just such a is a is the best counter spell where getting to remove getting getting a, a slick pseudo four for one. Yeah, they do they, get to, if it's in their hand they do get to draw. Yeah, the uh, it's also it, one more thing. It's also exiled. They're yeah. not even in the graveyard. Yep. 
So yeah, that's definitely something against Indomitable Create. Basically, any yep. of the like, I run this one card and without yeah. it, I, I lose. I mean, it would be it's it's great against creativity. It's great against Reanimator, where like I'm really hinging on my uh, my you know I have four of one, which what the fuck is it called? Unmarked? No, not marked grave. The undying persist. Ones. Yeah, the persist. Yeah, like four persist. Um, and then maybe now I have like literally one or two other in my deck. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's very 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 good. And the other one. Is a card I fucking love, Factor Fiction. Yeah, that card's fucking awesome. I love Factor Fiction. I didn't know Factor Fiction was still legal in Modern. Why is no one playing Factor? Why doesn't Why doesn't Blue White Control play Factor Fiction? That card's amazing. Four mana is a lot. Four mana is instant speed. Four mana usually uh, draw two at minimum. Either draw two great or draw three okay. Because it's five, isn't it? Yeah, it's yep. five. Oh, it's so many fucking cards. I know. Oh my Dude, god. I was playing it when it was first printed, like playing against it. I, oh, I didn't play Blue at the time. I was a Green Mage. But, oh, I love Factor Fiction. That card is so good. You know how many times I've got Factor Fictioned? Like, countless. Like, yep. Because right. my almost my entire playgroup, at minimum half, but we had like six people that were consistently playing, was almost always playing blue. Yeah. And then like me and Ashley and Ryan would kind of like play other stuff. Uh-huh. But like Mike... Brian and Derek I thought, were I mean, just blue the whole time. I think I, I in, in Commander, I have two decks that aren't blue, and then like four that are. Yeah. My modern deck is blue. My legacy deck is blue. I I play a lot of blue. Yep. And I love me some factor fiction, man. That's awesome. All right. Let's hit the let's hit the back nine. Uh fifth place in Domino Creativity again. Uh four Archon this time. Uh, four Ren, now with two Teferi. So two Teferi to back up that combo. Case in point, you know, this is definitely one of those slower combo decks like we were talking about in Legacy. You've got Cephalid Breakfast, which is usually a little on the slower end, and that's why it's using Teferi to, to protect itself. Um, this is one of those where it's very happy to hide behind a Teferi for a turn or two to ensure the combo goes through. Especially because this combo is so easily interrupted because you have to target the permanents and then sacrifice them. Yeah. I mean, a fatal push is brutal if you only have a creature. So. Yep. Uh you basically very much commit into into nothing and you're just discarding a card. Something I didn't mention, um I didn't even notice actually. Did the fifth place creativity is it? So one of the more recent pickups from these is definitely Leyline Binding. Um let me make sure. I don't think first place was okay. running it. Yeah, so first place didn't run it. But fifth place did. And so obviously a very strong pickup, especially for that slower, more mid-rangey style. But case in point, first place also didn't run Teferi. They're probably a little more, they're planning on a little more streamlined, a little more aggressive, a little more forceful, which clearly worked for them. Whereas fifth place came in and they're probably playing a little slower of a plan, ready to wait, ready to kind of help make sure it resolves. So you have your ley line of binding to keep the board empty or to basically not die. Teferi to ensure it resolves. Uh, you do only have in this one four spell pierce. You don't have the extra two counter spells, but in their place you have two Teferi and four Leyland Binding. So half in one, six in the other. Half a dozen and one six in the other. Next up is Rakdos Scam. So Grief Fury, Pyromancer, Dothy, Ragavan. Look at those. Look at those twenty creatures. Four, 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 yep. four. Um, all. If I didn't hate them all, it'd be a thing of beauty. It would. <laughs> Well, I don't hate Dothy Voidwalker or Season Pyromancer. The other um, three shouldn't exist. All the undying effects. I mean, like, all the undying effects. Undying Mouse. Mouse this is why, you, test of whatever that was, this test. is why you run multiples. Yeah, a couple tests of talents to hit all of them. Which, honestly, I mean, it's 
borderline too slow for this deck. Like that first one's gonna hit no matter what. Well, the second one what you I mean might is, be able to. That's why you have Feign Death, Rebirth, oh, Undying Mouth. I see what you're saying. I see like what you're saying. you run, you don't yeah. just run four and you split yep. them up because they're all functionally the same. Yes, they are. But yeah, when you know you're when they're surgical, essentially, yeah. it's one. I still have five more copies. Correct. Uh, one call against command in the main. Blood Moon, Fable, and Mirror Breaker. Nothing else much in here we haven't seen. This Rakdos scam deck hasn't seen a whole lot of play in the last couple of weeks, although it is, in my opinion, again, one of the better, one of the best mid-rangey uh, style decks. Like, I think, I still think maybe Yawgmoth, uh, although it does use the graveyard, like you said, is probably one of the better combo decks, uh, or Living End. Living End might be better, because it does, ch- I think Living End churns better, but Yawgmoth has a better uh, non-combo um Game plan. Uh, game plan. Yeah. It aggressive, just you know. So both of those kind of fight for that slot, in my opinion, depending on what you're going for. But this deck, if I'm going to play mid rangey anything, like I want to play Rakdos Scam, and calling it mid range is kind of unfair because you're cheating in you know a three three double strike that kills two creatures. But it's kind of close to a mid range deck. Mid rangey with a little bit of combo in there. Yeah. Seventh place, a deck we have not seen in a while, and you can tell because you don't see any Eldrazi in the sideboards. Demir Mill. Good old eight crab is here to mill everyone out. Uh, four hedron, four ruin crab, uh, all of the things that mill at incredibly insane rates. So Tasha's hideous laughter, fractured sanity. Uh, how about some visions of the beyond? Just good old one mana draw three. Yep, ancestral recall is pretty good. Ancestral recall turns out is pretty good. You think this deck will uh, throw in the new Jace that was spoiled today? Nah, too expensive. In my opinion, way too expensive. It a three mana, three mana to mill three, even if it does draw three cards. Like they want to be casting Tasha's for three and milling like twenty five. I don't think so. Then yeah, the new Jace. Uh, it does. It costs four, but it's a Phyrexian, so it essentially costs three. And the second mode is you uh, your opponent mills three, and I think it's if anyone has three cards in or twenty cards in their light in their graveyard. Jesus Christ, you need to draw three. Otherwise, you draw one. So it's ancestral. But I think three. I think the three slot is just too full with four fractured, four Tasha's, four archive, and I or I mean the archive's not there. Archive's free, so four Tasha and four fractured. I don't know where you'd put it, and I don't think it's worth the slot. I I don't I don't know if they want more visions, I and mean, maybe they do. Maybe they want more ancestrals because twenty cards is pretty easy for this deck to hit. So maybe they do want more. Maybe one or two. Yeah, what do you I, have think? No, I have no idea. I, I don't it's know. one of those cards. Like I say this all the time. And it's kind of a cop-out, but I don't mean it to be. Like, it warrants testing. I said it's the, the, yeah. the same thing about the the new uh, green-black planeswalker the other night on the Discord. Like, it's one of those cards that, like, it feels like it could be good enough if you kind of tinker around with it a little bit. So what if... Because the, the flip side is, I know it is one more mana, but, like, Fractured Sanity costs three mana for milling 14. Yeah, Jace costs four mana to mill 15. If you just pay the pay the four, he comes down with five loyalty, then you minus, minus X, X him. So he's in the ballpark already. So yeah. you're paying one more mana, but you have the flexibility of Jace. Yeah, maybe. And I could totally see the space in I don't think the surgicals in the main board are uh are a great spot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I surgicals in the sideboards is a must. Because like you just lose to Eldrazi. And if your deck becomes any kind of respected, you're gonna have Eldrazi everywhere. But and that's the, probably where you kind of have to bring them back into the main. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think that's coming. I think every game two and three you have to bring your surgicals into the main on the off chance. But in the main, in game one, there's not really any decks. 
in modern that are running graveyard shuffle effects. I don't think surgical is very important in the main. So maybe that does give you room for uh, maybe two of the two or three of those Jaces to try them out, do some testing, yeah. and maybe that I guess I, I could see if they fit. If you do decide you want more three mana ancestrals, which is a lot. Three mana ancestrals is a lot. Three mana for three cards is still uh, very good on rate, but they ain't ancestral. I could see them settling at maybe two and putting those surgicals in the side. Uh, take this out though. You see in the side? So we have three surgical in the main. Three extirpate in the side. Extirpate, like they're fucking ready to nuke shit from there. And it's well, and again, you're talking about you cannot let them have an Eldrazi shuffle. Well, it's more not than even once. just the Eldrazi. It's all the combo decks too. You mill one Cascade spell, gone. That's like, true. Game's over. Like I don't even need to beat you anymore. Well, in dude. fairness, your too. living ends are gone. And like if you mill like against me, billing an Archon is game breaking. Yep. Unless you can hit it. So maybe same thing with. The, you know, maybe the transmogrify right. deck where you just go, oh, cool, got an and archon. Da- yeah, all the archons are gone. The deck is nothing. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe maybe the surgicals in the main are better situated. Um, oh, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't I don't know either. Maybe the crypt I think they're definitely pulling double duty there because they're, like, they're very good in mill. Surgical's very good against combo decks. Uh-huh. It's just dog shit against, you know, fair decks. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I, you may be right though. Maybe, maybe some testing there is, is relevant. Dude, look at the go for the throat in the sideboard. Yep. Okay. I would rather, I would absolutely much rather just run Infernal Grasp. Pay the two life, kill the fucking creature. Doesn't matter if it's an artifact or not. And wrapping it up in eighth place. Yeah. That was, well, I was going to argue with you because I was just like going through the catalog in my head. I'm like, well, what artifacts would it matter? The big one? Urza Saga tokens. Yep. hundred. That's all it takes. Like Urza Saga is still everywhere. Like I would absolutely rather just yep. pay two life and kill the Karnstruct. Yep. Than, than be staring at a 6-6 six, six Karnstruct with a fucking gopher throat in your hand. Right. Yeah. So, yep. Agree. Okay. Let's wrap it up. Rectos midrange. Uh, obviously, it's going to be Rectos scam. It's almost the exact same deck. Like, like one extra Blood Moon, one extra Fable. It's almost the exact same deck. And unlicensed first. Yeah. Yeah. Those are there's really only because I'm sitting here going hers. through those. That's basically the only two. There's there's affinity ton. technically exists, but like yeah, if you're sideboarding against, you're affinity. not playing. You're not really worried about affinity. Yeah, but unlicensed hearse is is relevant, and, and I suppose hammer time too. Yeah, what the fuck are they doing? Urza saga. That go for the yeah, throat. I, really, I, just I wasn't thinking about Memnite. Yeah, like not sure that's the. Yeah, I think it's a terrible decision. That's not the call I would make. I don't think two life is like, worth that limitation. Just after like two minutes of like. Just like combing through and it's just like, well, there's Saga. Then yeah. there's this. Then oh, by the way, there's this whole actual deck. Yeah, that's Hammer good. Time, which is the whole premise of it is making a Mem Knight and attacking you with it, or getting a zero zero ornithopter. Right. So, zero yeah. one and then making a ten eleven. Rakdos midrange that this that's the same. Same deck, yep. So metagame summary. Rakdos scam with fifteen and a half percent. Then is it Murktide with twelve and a half percent? Creativity and crashing footfalls with nine. And then a couple twos with like uh, Death Shadow, Hammer Time, and then uh, some generic ones that didn't even get labeled. Burn did make it in the 18th, which is always nice to see. I love seeing hey. Burn do well. It really broke my heart that Burn got hit so goddamn hard with that ban, but they, yeah, the they did. Band. Indeed, they did. Uh, give me one second here. Got I a just, really weird Esper list. I just clicked the wrong button. And- okay. 
Most played cards. Lightning Bolt, Ragavan, Expressive Iteration, Mishra's Bobble, Fury. Literally nothing new. Look at that. Lightning Bolt, 60% of decks. Ragavan, Fury. Nothing to see here, folks. DRC, Grief, and Season Pyromancer, top creatures. And top spells. Lightning Bolt, Expressive Iteration, Mishra's Bobble, Engineered Explosives, and Unholy Heat. All right, everybody. Uh, this week is definitely a little shorter where we sit right now. We're about an hour 10 in, hour 15. Matt, do you want to just give him a shorter episode, or do you got something you want to bring up? You got any topics for the week? We could, no we, real we topics. Could look through There's some a of the couple spoilers, spoilers if you want. Um, like, we already hit Jace, the mill Jace. Uh, there's Glissa, who I... There's a couple uh, green-black cards. There's Glissa and that green-black Planeswalker, who I don't, couldn't tell you the fucking name. Um, well, there's Nissa. I'm talking about Glissa, the the yeah, but artifact. Is Nissa the Planeswalker you're thinking of? No, there's the 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 one we were talking about, the three mana green black planeswalker that uh like creatures you yeah, the, yeah. the pseudo elf. He's not an elf. It's Tyvar. Yeah, Tyvar Jubilant Brawler, which I'm I really am already over having the art cover the fucking name. Right. Like that's not okay, guys. Uh one black green. So three mana for a three loyalty planeswalker. You may activate abilities of creatures you control as though those creatures had haste. So that's obviously elf tribal there. And then plus one to untap up to one target creature. Minus two, mill three cards. Then you may return a creature card with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Those, sir, are both very, very powerful abilities that both of them, that both work very well with that static ability. Yeah, it's uh, we. I was talking about it on the Discord. I personally don't think. I think this kind of we brought it up. Card warrants testing as far as modern elves goes. I don't think it'll see play in Legacy. Um, oh heavens, no, no. But we should technically bring it up. So yeah, I mean, that's, it, I'm it, putting it on paper. I don't think that'll see play rem- in Legacy. Remotely compare to uh, what's Grist. the to Grist. I mean, the big thing is if it had the same. You can green sun zenith it out, yeah, maybe. Then it would. <laughs> but like Grist is nuts. But like one of the what's the what's the one reason you run Grist really? Well, he's he's a removal you can tutor for. That's he the kill, biggest. That's what I'm saying. He kills things. Even if you could green sun for Tyvar, like maybe. But like you you run Grist so that you can kill a dude. Like I wouldn't. I would run one of him if you could green sun him because he is grindy as fuck. Like because there's plenty of games where like. If you could get him out, and every turn you're bringing an elf back from your graveyard, well, it's every three turns. He comes oh in at, yeah, it is because he comes in at three minus two to one. You got to plus him twice to do it again. Lame. Yeah, whatever. Anywho, um, I mean, you can't do it. I mean, you can't raise them anyway. But in this yeah. in this hypothetical, you're doing it every three turns. Yeah, screw that. Anywho, so obviously, he's, I don't think he'll see any play in Legacy. Uh, modern, I personally don't. He might be thrown in the modern elf decks. Uh, he does create some pretty strong turn threes. Uh, if you turn one Lanamore elf, turn two him, turn three, you can crank. If you hit your uh, second or your your land drop, um, you can go like elf, or you can go like another arch druid, then another elf. He, they, the arch druid would have haste. The elves would have haste for for, for elf, abilities. Elf, elf. They make yeah, mana. Yeah, pseudo haste. Yeah, the important haste. Untap the Archdruid again. Like, you could very easily dump your hand on turn three. The problem is, and to be fair, you could dump it and probably have mana left over. Yeah. I don't know if that's enough to compete with, like, the fact of the matter is Fury and Solitude exist in the format, and, like, 
there's there's basically two force of wills that Elves is playing against. Yep. That's how I think about Fury and Solitude, as they're yeah. effectively, from the modern Elves perspective, they are force of will. And almost every deck has them. Yep. Oh. And shit, a lot of times they're force of wills that don't even make your opponent go down on a card. Uh-huh. Like Fury is can very even. easily be is even. even. If not an advantage. Solitude. Like you're playing a bunch of one ones. Yeah. Solitude is usually a two for one, but instant speed is a bit of a game changer. Right. And like the fact of the matter is elves frequently can't even afford to be two for oneing its opponent at the cost of their creatures. Uh-huh. Because an an intelligent opponent will pick the right ones. Yeah. And it's it's like I the perfect example is like I can kill three of your elves by killing one of them. I just shut the others off. Yep. Like if you have a couple nettle sentinels and a heritage druid, I kill the heritage druid and your nettle sentinels are two twos, which are not relevant in most matchups. Yep. So like I think modern elves and modern tribal decks as a whole have a huge mountain to climb over with yeah. these pitch cards that I I think it's it would it's, take something from Legacy especially to with, get them. with how much magic has just become like soup. Good card soup. Yeah. Like did and part you of that see? is because of those elementals. Did you see? Is this the f- wait? Oh no, it's not. These are two versions. Never mind. One, two. I saw all the I saw the fast lands and I was like, oh my god, they're printing all ten fast lands. No, there's two versions. There's just two art. Oh, gotcha. They just, there's ten there's ten fast lands here, but it's because like Black Cleave well, Cliffs and Black Cleave. Didn't they wasn't the last set? Didn't they have pain lands? Like yes. six of the ten pain lands? Yes, we did, did they some finish? of the pain lands. What the hell is wrong with wizards? Yeah, we didn't finish the pain lands. Fuck off. Dude, are you looking at the spoilers though? No, I don't have anything pulled up at um, the moment. Did you see the Sea Chrome Coast Tooth Islands? It's cringy as fuck. Is it towards the bottom? Towards the bottom. Find the lands. Ugh, whatever. That's like that makes me uncomfortable. They're like teeth islands. I don't understand the lore of why they're teeth islands. Those are teeth. Yeah, I'm just Those are for sure teeth. And they're not even like and people listening, they're not even like jagged, like predator teeth or like dragon teeth. They're like dude teeth. They're square. They're molars in the ocean. Um, Who knows? <laughs> we did see something in here that is potentially very interesting for uh, infect. Which, if you recall, I was um, actually I for- I didn't say it on here. You'd have to listen to the dr casual episode from a few weeks ago, the roundtable, which I'm sure none of you did. Um, I wanted, in fact, in both modern and legacy to get a bump. I really feel like that those archetypes are incredibly underrepresented. Those decks are very, very good. They're in the same vein as like burn where they just get fucking nothing. This is Phyrexia. They should get something. Now we didn't get infect. Uh, Wizards decided infect was too good. We did get toxic one, which is pretty fucking bad compared to infect where basically uh, and there might be more levels of toxic, but the, the important one is toxic one. That's what you see yeah, mostly. Yeah, there, there's there. I already saw one that was like toxic six. Okay, so what you usually see is toxic one, where when they hit, they deal damage to a person and they get a poison counter, but they only get one. So if you make this, you know, one mana one two a ten ten, they get it's, one poison counter. But venerated rot priest one green, which is the appropriate mana cost and color, for a one two, which is a relevant body. For a toxic one, Phyrexian Druid, so a player dealt damage by this creature, also gets a poison counter, but whenever a creature 
whenever a creature, whenever any creature you control. When we were talking about that earlier, I know. We, were, we were misreading it too. Becomes oh, that's the, way better than be, I thought it was. Becomes the target of a spell. Target opponent gets a poison counter. So whenever any one of your creatures gets targeted with a spell, they get a poison counter. That's a real good turn one. And in that's fact. a very, very good card. I think it's a better like turn three. Well, yeah, but like one of the things I like about it is to me when I just the way I play. Yep. That to me is bait. Absolutely. Like I go answer this or lose. Yeah. Okay, cool. Now that you've answered this guy, so now we're just playing a regular game and I'm going to drop my dude that's unblockable and you're fucked anyways. So I can speak a lot more to Legacy Infect because I played against it quite a bit, not Modern Infect. But um, against Legacy Infect, I find myself quite often just taking the first, uh, let's say, three to five poison counters without worrying about too much, right? Because uh, playing against Infect is very is very give and take. It's very much a dance of how much are you willing to commit to any one creature? Because the whole point of Infect is to get to 10, and it's very easy to kill a creature and get a sweet six for one. So you kind of let them get those first few attacks in. They play a couple um, couple Infect creatures, get some attacks in. You go to four, five, six. Because there really isn't a difference between six poison counters and nine. Because once you get to like six, because your opponent presumably hasn't played a bunch of pump spells, because they're playing around you um, uh, killing it. Six and nine are essentially the same. And then once you get to six, then you start fighting over stuff and you start kind of trying to win those fights. And Infect has a very hard time sealing the deal because they've done zero actual damage to you. You're at six poison counters. You've killed their two creatures and now you have a board to stand in front. And on top of that, while you killed their creatures, you probably got sweet three for ones. Venerated Rot Priest allows you to be like, okay, get them, you know, take five. Okay, now you're at six poison counters, whatever. Uh... I'm going to play my Venerated Rot Priest, and I'd like to go to combat, please. Because I have four pump spells in my hand. Actually, I have three pump spells, because if you because you're going to target it to kill it. So I'm going to go to attack. Oh, you're going to Swords to Plowshares it? You get a poison counter. I'm going to pump it three times. Yep. Yeah, there's... Get three more poison counters. Like, like I said, one of the things I love to do with, like, Glimpse of Nature is throw it as bait. Yeah. And this card to me reeks of bait more than anything else because all the other infect creatures are the same, pretty much. Whereas yep. this guy is, he's different in a, uh-huh. like he just does a totally different thing. But the uh, the flip side of that though is like if you go like turn one infect dude, like uh-huh. listen, just for example, glistener yep. elf, then you just turn to drop this guy. Yep. Now they have to kill that glistener uh-huh. elf because if you go growth, 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 game's over. Yep. You here's get a free giant well, here's growth. The, here's the thing you're not either thinking about or pointing out. It's which one do you kill? That's because no, if you that's go, what I mean. if you go growth, 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 you have to kill Glistener Elf. Yep. And Venerated Rot Priest keeps it's on the board. Still there. It's still there. And you now have, but if you several poison counters, but, but you need to kill a Venerated Rot Priest so they don't have the reach. But they just cast growth, growth, or whatever berserk growth, growth. Like you got lethal sitting over here and just a fucking powerhouse of an infect card over yeah. here to me what this card reminds me of most is death right shaman in elves where death right shaman was broken for many reasons right mm-hmm. but what he did was present an individually powerful enough card that you had to kill without fucking with the elf synergies it was like you can mess with my elf synergies but death right shaman by himself is enough to close out games yeah so you gotta pick yep and you had to pick right. You had to pick correctly each game. Yep. Rot 
priest reminds me a lot of that. Where like he's very powerful. You do need to kill him. But by killing him, you are leaving yourself wide open to my plan A. If you don't kill him, he can kill you by himself. So if you yeah. if you go after my plan A, like it's just all it's done is gone. Like it's added a plan B. Like uh-huh. by himself, it's just I'm not just committed to the the land guys or the unblockable dude or whatever. I now have a creature, in my opinion, that is very much worth testing. If this works out, like in fact, just immediately has another game plan that you yeah. have to answer. Like I said, it kind of the big thing we're not talking about in the word for it is it gives you a little bit of inevitability, yeah. which in fact doesn't really have. I was gonna say reach. It gives you reach. Well, that's. Those are very yeah. I mean, I like I inevitability, and I get I get what you're saying, but like I I categorize it a little more narrowly as reach, where like because like that's that's how you describe um your burn spells. Like why why is lightning bolt so good? It gives you reach. Where we get to the end of the game, you've got five life, and you've got four creatures out. My swift spear is never getting back in. That's okay. Bolt bolt. Where you know you're in the same spot here, where you might have an infect creature. Well, I've got three creatures out and a swords, so good fucking luck, dude. Well, now I've got reach, where every one of these, so it's every one of my spells is a shock, sort of. You, you only go yep. to ten, mm-hmm. so you get one. So every single one of my spells is a shock. Yep, like that's the oh my god, Frexian Arena is gonna be standard legal. Um, Frexian Arena has been this and Pioneer legal. And Pioneer League. Ooh, like that. Um, But yeah, that reach. I couldn't give a sh- two shits about Standard. I see Standard set and I go, ooh, what's legal in Pioneer? <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, Yeah, Inevitability, r- Reach, I think they're both good. By the way, Black wasn't players. doing well enough, so they needed no. to give Sheldred. He needed to be able to curve yeah. from Phyrexian Arena yeah. into Sheldred. Yep. <laughs> so you're gaining two life. So you're drawing so you're- <laughs> a card and gaining an extra life every turn. Yeah. <laughs> um, good job, guys. But yeah, I think I really hope. Don't get me wrong. I hate playing against Infect. I really hope Infect can take this card and run with it and make it happen. It'd be cool. I'd love it. The uh, Glissa Sunslayer was the other card I was hoping. So as far as Pioneer Elves go, I it feels like it's on the cusp of having some sort of like slightly slower value-y kind of deck in there as well because you're kind of drawing a lot of cards anyways yeah because you have that one the new elf lord that you can pay a green draw card and you yeah. make a lot of mana so so like i kind of want to test glissa out in that as well um again it's just i look at any elf three drop i look at it as a two drop i actually prefer them as three drops because you get more value and you still drop them on turn two uh-huh so i go assuming that goes unanswered on turn two that's a pretty solid card um whether or not again we're talking tribal decks whether or not it fits with the deck, I don't know. Whether or not it's good enough, I don't know. Uh-huh. But like Glissa by herself, that so Glissa Sunslayer's three mana, uh, a colorless, a black, and a green. Phyrexian Zombie Elf. <laughs> sure. Yep. That's a three three first strike death touch. So very good combat creature. Uh, whenever it deals combat damage to a player, choose one, draw a card and lose a life, uh, destroy target enchantment, or remove up to three counters from a permanent. So nukes, planeswalkers, draws cards, or gets rid of enchantments. Um, just a solid all-around decent card. Mm-hmm. So, I'll probably tinker with it in yeah. elves. Same thing with the other guy that I can't remember his name. He's not an old Tyvar. Le- He's not an old legendary, so yeah. I don't know what he is. I think it's Tyvar. Yeah. So there's definitely some interesting things coming down the pipeline with this. Um, Phyrexia had big shoes to fill. Love it or hate it, Phyrexia is a very memorable plane and. I think it's so far standing. It's 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 doing a decent job. 
of filling those boots. We'll see what the full spoiler set looks like. I will tell you a lot of this art. Um, while I do personally think there's way too many art styles for each individual card. I was just card, about to say, the thing I was about to say. The art touches, is, some of the art is beautiful. It's driving me fucking crazy that there's like four or five versions of every fucking card. Yes, there is. There's like, there, I mean, literally four or five. And the nice thing about that is it helps keep most of them cheap because only the El Primo 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 version is expensive now. But yes, it is very annoying that each individual card is um, printed so heavily because what it also does is it also robs value out of packs. Like, because now you have to chase the El Primo. The big one. You have to hit the El Primo, 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 or you're not really hitting the value you'd like to. But one of the things that drives me nuts is uh, so if you wanted to alter a card, and I'm sure this is still true, but I haven't looked at the rules lately, so I'm going to talk about it in the past tense. If you wanted to alter a card, one of the things that was important, aside from the fact that the judge had um, full authority, alt- full discretion, was you couldn't alter it in a way. That made the card art like typically speaking, you couldn't make it so it looked like another card. Uh-huh. And one of the reasons for that is magic is a very visual game. Yep. When you play Lanamore Elf, people see Lanamore Elf. Yeah. You could you and could, they know what it is. You could play, you could literally play an entire Japanese popper for elf deck, and you wouldn't have to read a single card to me. Right. Because I know what they all do. Correct. How the fuck is that supposed to be the case? Yep. When there's 14 versions of every card, and some of them aren't even printed in a real language. Yep. There's plenty of them that are in Phyrexian. <laughs> like. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Like, don't get me wrong. Individually, some of these cards look cool, especially with the black and white with a little bit of color splashed in. Like, the uh, the Glissa alt art looks really neat. With the, It's got a little bit of green and purple in there, and that's cool. No, they did not. But, like. Did they? Did they not put the rules text for completed on these fucking planeswalkers? Yeah. Matt, what does completed mean? So I know this just because we've been looking at spoilers, but yeah. if I remember correctly, it's if you pay the Phyrexian mana and the cost with life instead of mana, it comes in with two fewer loyalty counters. Is that for each Phyrexian though? I believe so, but I couldn't tell you. Because it doesn't say any of the others. All the others have one Phyrexian symbol. Nissa has two. Does she come in with three? If I pay Phyrexian, five if I pay one Phyrexian, seven if I pay no Phyrexian. I know. So Phyrexian can be paid with blue or two life. If life was paid, this Planeswalker enters with two fewer loyalty counters. So presumably it's two less, but like they seriously. Actually, from the way it sounds, it doesn't, I think. I bet that's to delineate each individual Phyrexian pip, but like who fucking knows? That's so confusing that they introduced a brand new keyword like that. And because they had to sh- they had to fist fuck so many words onto these planeswalkers that they were just like completed. What does that mean? Whatever, man. Anyway, um, looking at the spoilers, I don't see anything else that jumps out at me uh, as being terribly competitively player playful. Uh, White playful. Sun's Twilight is a pretty solid white card for EDH. Uh, oh, I don't consider EDH. Hmm? I don't talk about EDH. Okay. <laughs> no, I, just, it, I wasn't really looking yeah. for EDH. It's a double white and X. Uh, you gain X life, then you create one X one one colorless Phyrexian might artifact creature tokens with toxic. Oh, okay. And then if it's they can't block, and then if X is five or more, destroy all other creatures. Oh, so it's a uh, for seven man. It's a Wrath of God. What's that? What's that one card? Yeah, I can't remember the name, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the same thing, but it, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's. The so tap out on turn eight. one ones with toxic. 
is a humongous yeah. difference than just getting one once. Yeah. So eight <laughs> um, mana, Marshall you... something. It's got marshals in it. Marshall. No, because it's it's X one ones if it's five or greater. Destroy all creatures first. Yeah, that's Marshall. Is it? I don't know. Look it up. Anyway, um, yeah, being able to like like said spend like eight mana, you get six one ones with basically infect and uh, wipe the board. Like that's pretty good. You were correct. Is Marshall coup? Yeah, that's yeah. I was thinking of why I was I knew that card existed. I was thinking of the uh, the instant one. Uh, route. No, 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 no. The one's like it's just like it's just like white, white X make X dudes or oh, white. you white on Zenith. No, oh. there's an instant one because it used to be uh, it used to be once upon a time it was the white control finisher where you just you just go to at the end of their turn uh, I'll tap my nine mana and I'll make gotcha. eight sure. one I'll make six one ones and just start beating you to death with it. But yes, Marshall Coup. That is the card where you get to kill all the creatures and then make a bunch of one ones. Um, so some interesting stuff for sure. I'm excited to see what the rest of the spoilers look like. Uh, we definitely have a fuck ton. I, I have, I'm curious what they're going to do with the story because we have like five completed planeswalkers, including Jace. And you know for a fact that Watsy is not going to let Jace go. This reminds me of the ending of uh, Avengers Endgame. Yes. Like everyone it feels so here, like every, they're painting themselves into a corner. Was talking about when we thought when we saw Brothers War and then because Brothers War was going to be going back in time. You know, we 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 saw Dominaria falling, going back to Phyrexia. Everyone's been talking about Teferi and time travel. And if I'm telling you the truth, when I see Jace immediately turned into a Phyrexian, I'm leaning pretty hard on we're going back in time. We're going to fix this. So we'll see what happens. I don't follow the story super closely, but that's what it looks like to me. But Matt, the episode is now an appropriate length for what I would our love it are. if they made the Phyrexians the good guys. I don't know how you would do that. Fuck out of me. That's not my job. <laughs> like, I guess that's true. But is there anything else you'd like to cover this week? Now we now I mean, have a nice do is just, you know, Phyrexians oh, are dudes. And then like, there's somebody who wants to destroy everything. I mean, you just Thanos it. Yeah. Or like, you know, Matt, the Joker's not bad compared to Thanos. That's true. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's been an hour and 40 minutes, Matt. Yep. You got, you got anything real? The last couple were like two hours long. We got 20 minutes to kill. But <laughs> anyway, so another shout out to our patrons. Thank you all for joining in. Thank you all for supporting us. Thank you all for chit-chatting in the Discord. If you want to become a patron, patreon.com forward slash cantrip cartel. Every single level gets you into that private Discord where you can talk to us every day. And there's tons of extra levels between like extra uh I should send out free swag. Um we got extra content. Uh the very tip top, you could like be on the podcast and you could be a guest uh once a month. So hit us up, let us know. Or hit us up. Hit it up. Derp. Hopefully you'll tell hopefully we'll get to talk to you soon. But uh brain farts aside, Matt. Is there anything else? No. Oh, oh uh if you want to email us, cantripcartel at gmail.com, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. Blah, blah, blah. Now am I forgetting anything? Couldn't tell you. All right. Well. I don't have anything. If that's the case, we'll see you guys next week. Yep, have a nice night, guys. I don't have anything. I uh, did not go to Pioneer on Monday, so I'm just gonna withdraw from the event. 
I gotta buy. Welcome, step on in to the Cantrip Cartel. Chicken mat, chatting meta games, or slinging some spells, casting L, sipping on blue soup, and parting some veils. Glimpse of nature once upon a time, they're telling the tale of the elvish visionaries on the wildwood prairies, where the brainstorms of Sophia, some so scary, so legendary. Queer and rangers scrounge the sylvan libraries, for when the greens and zenith would parry the clouds and turn their swords into plows. Let them rotate the crops, abundant growth in the ground. Nourish the life from the loam until it flourished unbound. Seeds of innocence burnished all the birch lorian mounds. Gaia's cradle exhaled, carpet of flowers unwound. Birds of paradise sang, tropical islands of sound Allosaurus, shepherd danced on dinosaurs stopping grounds Jake and Matt pondered deeply all this magic they found Through their visions, doused in serum, they saw only for how To convey these magic stories aloud to the crowds, the masses Make the voices heard, share the truth, the magic Through ancestral visions, they felt compelled To draw every single card with the cantrip cartel Draw cards with the cantrip cartel Strong cards with the cantrip cartel.